you drink a Diet Sprite every day? Bumper just looked at him and said, yes, next question. It's like, <laughs> seriously, you could ask him anything, and that's, that's what crossed your mind. So, uh, you know what's interesting, what you just said about change? I think once God figures out he can trust you with change, then the change is really coming. You could, we're, we're just talking to Robbie coming down here. we got another campus mm. right now waiting this week for us to say yes or no. Yeah. And so we're right back again to saying the paradigm changes. Yep. So I think God laughs at flow charts. And yeah, but you know, you gotta, you got you to gotta have structure and you got to have flow charts. But they're not a big deal. That's right. They're only there to serve a purpose. And you kind of keep them away from everybody. <laughs> because true. they change so much. And, and people tend to, like, sign off on them. You know, so you kind of you, you know, you keep them hidden only for a few people to see so that people don't get locked onto a certain way of thinking. It's so true. Uh, <clears throat> I appreciate what he said about the five-year thing because that's true, especially if we're growing. We... Uh, um, we have just, I told you, we were talking about 2020 vision and the walk away when we were finally done was just how do we need to be structured? Keep now? doing what we're doing, right? Yeah, how do we structure? Just let's be clear on who owns what yeah. and who's accountable, okay? Awesome. And then we broke. So, questions. We, we've got uh, the Warren Buffett of. No. <clears throat> no, 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 no. Yes, sir. Yeah, let, we're doing the microphone so we can capture this for anyone who listens later. Is there anything you guys do at Life Church practically to manage the diversity uh, that you're trying to create or embrace in your church? Wow, anything we do practically to manage it? Um, yeah, I mean, in in the beginning, we were intentional about having diversity on the platform and in our mail pieces and in our literature and on our website, and that's kind of we're kind of beyond that point now. Um, uh, I, we talk about it a lot. We pray about it. We do. We 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 do a diversity count in our services about once a quarter, where the ushers have the challenge of counting how many people are of which color are in in services, and um, it's very private. It's not something the whole church knows about, and there's only a handful of people that know about it. But I know about it, and it helps me monitor where we are statistically. Um, so I don't think, now, I don't think there's anything. Can you think of anything, Adam? Anything practically we do to manage the diversity? I don't think. Just being, yeah, just what I was saying, make those counts and we're aware of, you know. Um, I don't want to tip anyway. That's right. I don't want to tip over and become an African-American church. I don't want to tip. So we are, we create, sometimes there's that tension where we maybe have too many ushers that are, too many African-American ushers or too many, you know, like. Uh, too, yeah, we just we talk to our team leaders and say, hey, you know, there's, there's too many there's too many white older men ushers. You know, we need some young ushers. You know, which they're great. White older men ushers are great ushers, but we need some younger ones. We need some diverse. We need some women. We need some. Um, so so someone will go back to them. I'm I'm all over that stuff all the time. Like when I'm in a service, I'm I'm observing everything. I'm I'm. You know, Adam's with me or somebody's with me, and we're writing down thoughts, and I'm fussing about this. But I mean, I never, I am never, I'm always on top of this environmental thing. I think it's just, it's just huge. You know what? I jump in. We, and, and you ask about Life Church, but we were an all white church, and we had one African American couple, and, and I say this 
tongue-in-cheek, but they were, uh, uh, they became the token African-American couple, but they weren't a good token African-American couple. And other than that, we were completely white, and we, we addressed it. They weren't it good, meaning they weren't healthy, they weren't, they, you yeah, know. Just, yeah, just, yeah. Uh, gotcha. uh, okay. uh, <clears throat> they brought a stereotype with them, uh, bring your own tambourine to church, and okay. everything just that, that <laughs> came from the culture of the churches they had attended, just like, every, I don't care who you are, you, we bring our culture with us. And so we deliberately went after it. And uh, it sounds, but you have to be deliberately organic. One thing I would say is sometimes we think cultural diversity is all about skin color. You may be more diverse than you think you are. Stop judging it by skin tone. Um, we started actually kind of talking. We preached, a, I did a two-week series about one race, many nations, you know, and just kind of jumped right in. It's been several years back, and it was one of those where people left and said, that was heavy. But, but, <clears throat> but it, what, it was... But because I had, uh, I had learned some stuff, even that about our specific county, right where we live, back when it had segregated stuff, I didn't know when I had lived in that area. We had a town called Bordersville that I never knew why it was called Bordersville, and I found out, oh, because they said, here's the border, and you live on this side of the border. Well, then that convicted me. I've lived here all my life. And mm. So I just, but I mean, I did it in teaching, but I, I mean, I addressed some of the stupidest things that have been preached that have there no there's no biblical but yet we yep. we did all those things in initially to yeah, create diversity initially. we worked really hard on all those spoke about it and did all those kind of things yeah, yeah. and we started talking about you know celebrate who we are that's so that was a series you know we're a salad bowl not a melting pot uh, everybody brings your identity and adds to it instead of losing your identity and then we started counting we realized we had more nations than we thought and then like, like now our last count was like 36 38 nations and now, and you're right. At a point, you stop doing that. In fact, then you're still the guarding culture. But now, the guarding the culture is—it's uh, amazing. People will come because they want a multicultural experience. But you know, even after you're out of Egypt, you start missing Egypt. And so, especially with worship, you know, somebody will say, "Well, I, I sure wish we we could do." And as soon as they start saying that, what they're saying is, "Is you know, that's what I came from, and I came from it on purpose." But I sure wish we'd go back every once in a while. And we, we just determined that you're not going to pigeonhole us in music to say, well, say that, well, the reason why they do black gospel or because they do, we, so we do it all. And uh, once you hit a multicultural church, man, I would never go back. I, I could not imagine going to a church where everybody looked like me. Well, we we um, we just we approached the the worship experience on the weekend with the idea that in the three song four songs that we do, one of them at least one of them is going to be a uh, a gospel song, an Israel Houghton, um, um, you know, and so we might sing out and might sing a portion of a song in Spanish, just some creative ways. Um, so yeah, I mean, we we just you know there's there's great songs that are out there that are more gospel oriented songs, you know, have one in your set, you know, don't just have all rock, you know, all hill song. Did you, did you do some Spanish before you had that in Spanish? 
Yeah. Yes, and we did some gospel. We had white people singing gospel songs because we didn't have any African Americans. So, yeah, we were seeding into the culture. I mean, I've told the story over and over again, but when we started the church, part of our part of our vision statement said we were a multi-ethnic church and uh, you know, and we were not. We were all white. 100% white, really white, you know, like and um so we had this African American sharp uh attorney come up to my wife and she said I guess I'm the I guess I'm the multi-ethnic you know because uh, she was and that was it you know and so um, yeah I don't you know it doesn't need to be now now when I talk about it I feel like I'm talking about what we already are you know um, although you can still you can still kind of in, uh, support the culture support it by talking about it but it seems like um, you know, I remember thinking, wow, this is going to be an impossible task. And it really, it really is not. It's really about loving people. And Scott said something that's true. It's not, just, it's not just skin color. It's age. Some of us need to have some diversity in the age of our churches. Our churches are too old or they're too young. I mean, our church has a lot of, it's, it's diverse in, in age. It's diverse in socioeconomic status. You know, you want it, you know, so, so. Same thing with us on worship. It's, I think, I'm thinking this past weekend. Sometimes we will we'll do one where there's Spanish. Uh, we do every service is translated with people with headsets for Spanish, uh, so that they can get the message. Somebody's in a cubby. They they got our notes in advance. They're preaching along with us in Spanish. Um, we will launch a Spanish campus. It's absurd to be in Houston and not have a Spanish campus. We're just waiting to identify the right Spanish pastor because. <laughs> what he said about declaring you're going to preach in Spanish. Uh, I launched this year with Rosetta Stone. And right now it's no bueno, but I'm trying to. But the fact is, on the other hand, I could still pastor those people with a translator. Oh, yeah. And I've got to give myself permission to do that and stop thinking I have to speak the language to be their pastor. I think, I think that worship, that's what helps you be multi-generational too. This past weekend there was a Chris Tomlin, there was an Israel, there was... Hillsong, it, it fits. You put it all together in the service. I, I thought another thing we did at first on multicultural is when we started celebrating the diversity, we put flags up like you would usually do for missions, but our flags represented membership. And so it's kind of like where the your nation of origin, where you came from, not where your great-grandfather, but you. And it was amazing to see. Right. It served its purpose, and we're done now. But it, there was a year where that was a big thing to kind of come in and look and see your flag and know, you know, I'm celebrated here with my diversity. Could you tell us, uh, either one of you, uh, what has been your single most effective approach to plugging in uh, your, your uh, people to an ownership mindset? Well, we transitioned that 12-week elephant, you know, into our system now is called discovery, which is, you know, everybody's, I think use it, a lot of people using that term. I don't even remember where we got it from, but. So, <laughs> and you can plug in in one weekend. So now they start, the discovery classes start the first weekend of every month. And you go, it's during the regular services. So childcare, you know, they can just go to the, check their kids in nursery and kids life. It, and so, um, and at the end of that, 
you can be you can basically are a, a member of the church. Then then it goes into week two, and week three, and week four. So it's still four weeks long. By the end of the four weeks, you know you're basically on a team and you're serving. Um, and I don't I don't know all of the deeds change so much. Dan over here, Dan may be able to mention some of the things that we did, but we streamlined it, and it's it's been very very effective. We have hundreds of people every month that start the beginning of the month going through discovery. You know, and it always trims down by the end of the month, but by the end of every month, we have a whole new batch of people that are ready to start serving and joining a team. And, you know, and, and we talk about it every weekend. It's not, like some, it's not like some back in some, you know, building somewhere that nobody knows about. It's front and center of the culture of our church. Getting involved, getting involved, getting involved. Yeah. Yes. Serving is a huge part of our language and our culture. We talk about it every weekend. And we, we ask everybody to serve one service and attend one service so that they're taking ownership of the growth of the church. Celebrate your volunteers. Again, back to celebration. I don't think we do that enough. We do something every quarter. They're about to give it a new name, but we've called it SALT, Staff Advanced Leadership Training. It is a huge pep rally. Uh, will we celebrate them? And we have had from hot dogs to whatever, but we'll gather together. It's a Sunday afternoon, high energy, great work, uh, great music. Uh, I'm not usually worship. It's more of uh, celebrate good times, come on, that kind of stuff. And just whatever, because, again, we're celebrating these people. and We give away awards. Uh, like, let's say like Robbie Emery's there and is lead student pastor. He knows core volunteers that have really served hard in the last uh, quarter, and they're coming up. We've been promoted. Cool. We need to, I mean. Cool. The, uh, they, uh, they'll give away Starbucks cards, movie cards, just uh, appreciating volunteers. Then there's the Serve Like Crazy Award that someone gets every quarter. That is, that is the ultimate. Oh, wow. <laughs> but the Serve Like Crazy Award, you know, uh, just trying to celebrate these people that are serving like crazy. Feature them. We actually now do it with a a video featurette that we've actually tracked them doing their ministry and then we're featuring them on the screen. The last one was a girl named Kari. Kari did this and Kari does that and she serves and here's her date. And just making volunteerism the ultimate. And our thing, Pastor John, we, uh, membership class for us is a one week. We have a member, I mean, a, a discipleship, like a Christianity 101. I made this mistake this weekend and said Christianity for dummies. I, I, I meant it good, but the, I decided not to say that on Sunday. That was Saturday night. But nobody joined that week. <laughs> nobody joined. But but that's four weeks, and that's that's our uh, starting point. But connect point is a one one weekend thing, and then we as quick as you can plug somebody in, the quicker you get somebody plugged in. Which part, David? Like the, the process for the people, or are you talking about like the salt celebration thing? The, the, the volunteer, the salt meetings, I, we attend. I attend to see what we've, we've got. Robbie, Mike, just there's three or four guys that have a pulse of everything going on. Um, 
to me, that's something that's happened. As the team grows and as the church grows, the more my responsibility is to pastor the pastors and to really spend time with them. And then they're taking it. So like that volunteer, that whole volunteer celebration, we show up to sit on the front row and see and wonder what they've got planned. I'll bet this is going to be great. Matter of fact, one time at the end, uh, it wasn't uh, Robbie, another guy spoke, and it was so good. I wanted to go up at the end, put my arm around and say, hey, I want to thank you and commend you. And it, I kind of had this conviction that the moment I came up and did that, it's kind of like I just pulled that thunder and made it. I didn't mean to. I meant to affirm, but I actually kind of put him back in his place. Said, well, thank you. That was good. I'll take it from here. And I didn't mean to. So we literally attend, celebrate, high five, and then leave. Concerning the membership process and all, uh, same thing. Disc profile, you get a guy that's an administrator and a guy that really can do that. Uh, Chuck Martin is our guy. Sat down with us, shot a video of myself and my brother Brett, and said, here, I want you to talk a little bit about the history of the church. And we, we talked separately, and he built the video. So now our membership class is a video-driven so we are teaching it, but it's on video, and then it's testimonials of people in the church, our core values, all that stuff. So it's being driven by staff pastors after they got our heart. Um, yeah, I'm, I would say that I'm not involved at all from our discovery standpoint. Um, I will every now and then ask a question, or I'll want to see what are we teaching about that, or I'll have an idea, and I'll go by and chat with somebody about it, but I have very, very, very little involvement. And I just think it depends on the, the thing. If it's something that I'm, if it's, if it's on my mind and on my radar screen, I'm gonna be, I'm gonna ask a lot of questions. I'm gonna put my energy toward it. There is kind of a shift that you go through as the church grows where you stop becoming the one that tells everybody what to do. And, you know, nowadays, there are people tell, you know, kind of telling me what to do, like, here's where you need to be and here's what you, and that's a new shift, that's a new transition. I don't know on, on usually, I don't know which campus I'm going to be at this coming weekend. I let somebody schedule all that out and then they'll let me know that Thursday or Friday, here's where we're thinking and here's where you need to be and here's, and, but those were big transitions. Those were, new, you know, are, are fairly new for me. Uh, but I think when you, when you have a great leader, you, you, you take your hands off. And I know that I somebody's a champion, and they're making, man, they're moving this thing forward. I don't. I stop thinking about it. I stop thinking about it, and, you know, it's easy for me to let go of. If there's, if I, things keep coming back to me, then I feel like, wow, that person is not, they've not taken it and moving it forward. It, I still have to answer details about things, and, you know, but when we were a church of 400, I was involved in everything. I wrote the lessons. You know, so there's transitions along the way, and um, you know, you just make them. You make them when you know it's time to make them. And you know, I don't think a leadership book can help you with that. I think you know, like it's time for me to let go, or it's time for me. And there are times now where I, I'm like, I'm gonna get back involved in that thing because I don't like the way it's feeling. And uh, <clears throat> you know, we had a. We actually had two different people. Dr. Sandy Culkin was one, and then there was someone else first year that came by, and was just we did staff chapel. <clears throat> and in staff chapel, they spoke some things that really grabbed us, and it's about the, the growth of the levels of a church. And uh, 
Pastor John was saying something earlier that that resonated. It was like, yeah, that, that's the first is a mom and pop. And a mom and pop operation is a great operation. We all know mom and pop restaurants. They, you, we got to go here. This is a great place. Jaron's here, and Jaron knows every mom and pop in Nashville. And it, you always want to hook up with Jaron, and he'll take you to a place that it used to be a living room, but they've converted the house into some of the best fried chicken. I didn't know what I was going to say now. I just zoned out into that. Just, <laughs> let's just wait here in this presence. We feel, but, but, but that's mom and pop. And the great thing about a mom and pop is they're doing good. My parents were mom and pop pastors. They truly did everything. Then you move from mom and pop to entrepreneurship. And that's where you say, hey, we had a good thing going here. This was good, but I think we're going to go a little broader now. And you move to an entrepreneurship. And in entrepreneurship, now you're starting to, you know, there's, you can think about even a franchise kind of a deal or, now we're going to, and then you move from there to an enterprise. And then an enterprise level, uh, this thing's moving. And then finally, it's an institution. And you think about there are institutions. An institution outlives the personality that started it and, and the personality that was behind it. We're not there. I think we're moving from entrepreneurs to enterprise. And you lead different at every level. What you just said was a great answer. As a mom and pop, you had your finger in everything. You move from mom and pop to entrepreneur. Now you're letting others, you're spreading that base. And, uh, and it's interesting to hear transition. They tell him where he's going to be this weekend. Right now, I still have my finger on that one. I'm the one that tells who's, who's from speaking where this weekend. And I'm about ready to give that up. I think you can go, you can, hold, you can keep the church from growing by holding on to things too long. Or by giving you... Or by giving things away too soon. So there's no, I don't think there's like a, I can't tell you when to do that. That's what's interesting. You know it, you know, and, and, and when you're in the middle of it, you got people around you that you can trust, and they start, they're, they're start prying your fingers off of it. <laughs> let go, let go, come on, come on. But his hand cleaved yeah. to that yeah. sword. It's so true. Uh, yeah, you hold on to it. You love it. You know, you, you know there's things about, I, I, I look back, it's like your kids. You know, we were looking through our, we had to, we had to send a, one of my son's baby pictures to school this week. And so we got out and we started looking at all the, all the uh, pictures. And, and you'd think, man, I, I, like, I looked at my daughter who is now 15 when she was like three and four. And, and I, I, I was convicted. I thought, man. Do I remember those seasons? And it can happen in church, too, where you're so focused on what's next. Scott talked about it earlier, celebrating, that you just, man, you, you barrel through a season. And, you know, when you have 400 people, man, there's something, there are some unique things about that size that you can enjoy instead of being frustrated. And, I'm, you know, I'm talking now like I wasn't, but I was. You know, instead of being frustrated with where you are, Man, just enjoy the people and enjoy what you get to do, and, and you know, you know, just enjoy yeah. it. You know, when when John was speaking, he stepped on toes on a couple of things, and I knew he did, and he's so right, and it's stuff that I hear. Uh, we talk about how long church is and how long you preach. Uh, I don't, we don't go twenty minutes. We do seventy-five minute service, and I don't and, preach twenty minutes. Yeah, but that challenge. Yeah, just, I'll tell you, I got nothing. I might as well just get up and say, "Howdy." 
And God bless. I think it's I, a good exercise oh, to try to preach for 20 minutes. Have content in that. Have great content. And, you, you know, yeah. I don't do 20 no, minutes. I, I do 30 minutes every week. But my point is an hour and 15 minute church yeah. is what we do. You start doing multiple services, you, you'll change your mind. Uh, to, to grow, to make that adjustment. I'm, I'm talking to global family now. And then also, we say we want to grow. Years ago, somebody had a book called So You Say You Want to Grow. That's all I remember about the book. don't remember the author. But it's one of those things we say we want to, but I don't know if we really do because your paradigm does have to change so much. Uh, my experience on where we're at, and we got a long ways to go, is I didn't realize how I would constantly have to live in a, in a state of renewing my mind. And my point is, is that 400 is a sweet spot. And it's a sweet spot because you do know everybody and most everybody in the church has your cell phone number and you know who they are and you say you want to grow but then there's that sense of but I'm losing a grip because I don't know everybody now. You, there's a reason why a lot of times the scriptures they were called the multitudes. <laughs> God bless you all. But we say we want to grow but you really have to go beyond that and then even adjust okay so preaching uh, he said it i just wanted to bring that back about oh wait a minute the bread is always fresh we can hit pause here pick it up next week keep going you discover series preaching all the time thieves which is how many people's touching the microphone in a service uh we have you know prayer for needs and then we're going to have an altar time at the end and the problem with prayer for needs, again, as spirit-filled churches, is one person comes down with a true hungry heart or a broken heart and then begins to cry and travail, whatever it is, and you want to move on, but we just keep repeating the song because, well, we don't want to shut her down. We shut everybody else down, but we're not going to shut that down. And, and that's, an, that's a, a precious obligation we put ourselves into versus saying, hey, we could move that to the end. Why can't we also, why can't we pray for needs as well as give that uh, fresh start or that starting point prayer at the end? Why, why can't we do that all at once? That's radical. Let's get radical. Put all prayer at the end. How many people touch the microphone in a service? That's too many. Worship leader, lead worship. Don't preach sermonettes between every song. If the song is dead, odds are if you sing it one more time, they're not going to get into it. So, <laughs> next song. And, and, you can go to an hour and 15. I'd challenge you with an hour and 20. If you can do an hour and 20, you can do an hour and 15. But it is uncanny. I've got a friend right now doing three services on Sunday, and he's doing an hour and a half each. And at the end, he's like, man, I just don't want to, I'm just exhausted. I was like, well, yeah. <laughs> you, you're going an hour and a half times three. So I, I went off on a trail here. But it's just, he's stretching us that if we're moving we say we want growth, but the question is, do you really? Because if you want growth, you have to grow and you have to adapt. You about, you about answered it, uh, but I have a big uh, hang-up about not having the altar calls. And I know with us going to a third service, um, it's just it's just inevitable. we got to get there, get them out, get back in. I've been to uh, Pastor John's uh, many times, and I, I, I see how they do it with the uh, fresh start tables and stuff. How, how do y'all do it there at Grace? In, uh, Inspired by John, uh, two or three years ago, 
we decided and made a commitment that every weekend service, we will lead people to a decision. Every weekend service. Uh, we, we flow on how we do it, but it's amazing once we, but we had made a commitment before that we will end every service with an opportunity for ministry if people would like to be prayed for or whatever. That's a part of who we are, and, and uh, we're on the buckle of the Bible belt. People, they expect that, look to it. So we took it out of that early part. What we, that's been years ago, though, where we used to have prayer for needs, prayer for the sick during worship and then there at the end. So now, like this past weekend, I'm preaching my message, and at the end I lead to leading everyone in a prayer, a decision, and then we say right then, if, if that was the first time for you or the first time in a long time, if you'll lift your hands right now, we're coming to you. We call them service pastors. I learned that from someone very near to me. We're coming to you. We've got a booklet we've put together right now to show you the, what just happened, next steps, where you can go. And then we also, at the same time, we're asking our prayer partners to come. And here's what we're going to do. Any need in the house, if you'd like prayer, maybe you need direction, maybe it's your marriage, whatever it is, we want to, we want to minister to you and pray for you. Those of you that just made that prayer, uh, that decision, if you'd like to come, we'd love to pray with you. Or stop by the guest relations for more information, and we'll put you into our starting point class which is four Sundays in a row revolving. And then so we transition it all into ministry. And then while people come down for prayer, I'm watching the clock. And when it says an hour and 15, because of traffic, we have to, we have to go. So at that point, it's okay once I've given people a chance to move forward to say, and to the rest of you, we love you. God bless you. I never can get the, may the Lord bless you and keep you. May he make his face shine upon you. That is one scripture I cannot I'm not going to remember, so I do a version of it. May God bless you and be in your car, and 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 may you keep the wheels on the you know out of the ditches and get your kids and you are loved and shine on you. And and uh, I, I don't know why I've got a mental block on that one, but I do. It's I it, it just zone. So, but it's so here's an interesting thing about multicultural Catholic people that have come to Grace that love Mass at Grace Church. Every time I stay, and may God, they're receiving that. They're receiving that that blessing from the the minister. But anyway, so then we dismiss. So ministries, they're praying and singing, but people are leaving. And so we put that into that 30 minutes of transition. And we'll minister. As long as people want prayer, we'll pray. But they're also, the crowd, the the watchers, can go get their kids and go home. I'm not sure how Pastor John does it, but that works for us at Grace. That's how we... Yeah, we, we don't stop in the middle of worship to do prayer. We're targeting for the speaker to get up on the floor. With if This past weekend I stepped up and had 45 minutes on the clock. That's like winning the lottery. There's 45 minutes, which means we've done worship and any prelim video news, received the offering, welcomed guests, and I'm up, if it says 40, or when it said 45, I'm like, God, let's just do the book of Revelation. I got all the time in the world. <laughs> and Because and, that's 45 counting my clothes and my altar to dismiss. You got to think about your volunteers that got there early that morning, if you're doing multiple services, and they've been changing diapers since the 815 service, but I want to go off on some revelation I've had and preach my thing and scratch my itch in service number three, and they're still 
the diapers just keep coming? Good, that it? I'll, oh, one more. I was saying all your services, are they gener generally the same? It seems like uh, more and more churches are seem, seem to get away from, you know, this is the way we're going to do it. So we have a split service. We have another service. So they you know, compromise for the older generations or the younger generations, or is everything just the same? Uh, I'll let Pastor John answer for him. Our services are identical. Uh, All the services are, are uh, exactly the same, and they are pretty much the same from week to week as well. I think it's interesting one of the things that we have to do as pastors is provide a consistent environment so people know, exi you know, not exactly, but they know overall what the service is going to feel like i always i always try to kind of equate it to a restaurant you know you go back to the to a restaurant because the service was good and the and the food was good and there's some consistency about the place and so you know we have to we're going to preach for 30 minutes or 40 minutes we're going to have worship for 20 25 minutes we're going to pray for people we're going to receive an offering that's pretty much what service is is going to be we just have to make sure it's fresh so you go back to the restaurant. I always order the same thing. Most restaurants I go to, I know what I'm going to get. I order the same thing, but it's not the same thing that I ate last time. That's good. It's just been cooked again, right? You know what I mean? It's not. It's the same on the menu, but they didn't reheat something that, you know, from yesterday. It's brand new, but it's the same thing. That's what you have to do every weekend in church. It's brand new, but it's the same thing, and so it's fresh. So we don't we don't have a traditional service, contemporary service. We don't. We don't do those kind of things, although I think it's, a, it's not a bad idea. Yeah. I mean, if you, know, if you can pull it off, if you have the manpower to do a, a, a traditional service, and you, you, know, you can do that. I don't think there's anything wrong with it. We don't do it either. Uh, connect groups, which is what we call our small groups, fill that bill for us. The largest connect group we have is called Oasis, Older Adults Still in Service, that they name themselves. And they meet, and they've got a piano, an accordion, and a guitar, and it's over almost 300 people. And they, it's everything out of the hymnal. It, but but that's that's how we meet. That is they do they and it. I make it a point every. It's on the calendar every like blue moon. I'll go by, stick my head in, and love on them. And there's no one who loves you more, loves the pastor more. Amazing people. And what's amazing is they're not all 80. There's some uh, late 40s and early 50s people. They love you until you cancel that small group. <laughs> it's not happening. That's true. That's true. So we're not going to do that. That's, Smart. It's a, a big small group. But that's what scratches that need. And we, all of our services are the same. That's Seven, why they'll never cancel that service. 79-year-old mama is in that small group. Anything else? We don't want to stretch it. Just make sure you leave here set. Hey, I want to thank Pastor John and Adam and Dan Lord, these guys from Life Church, for coming all this way. And, and I want to thank, again, uh, Pastors Eddie and Sherry Couples for opening up their house, this beautiful church. 
the, the global lead team that is here, I, I'm grateful for the, the distance you drove and what you did. I want to thank John Ragsdale for being uh, the man on the ground that made this happen. And I'm so glad you folks came and have been a part of this. And uh, I just want to just, just uh, I mean, actually, I want to ask the pastor, I want to ask uh, Pastor Eddie to do it. Just pray a prayer and dismiss us. Thank you guys all for coming. Uh, remember the fall conference. Love to see you in Houston in October. It's going to be outstanding. Uh, Willie George, as well as others, will be there speaking. It's going to be great. We want to have you there. Always a great time. October 21 through 23, I believe, are the dates. We've got another one of these this weekend in Stockton, California. If you'd like to come, love to see you there. And then also in Fort Worth in May, Pastor John's going to do another one of these with me. God bless you. We love you, Pastor Eddie. Thank you. Appreciate you hosting. Let's stand together. Just real quickly, um, if you want these sessions, they're on our website as of the 27th, that says. So just go to loveandtruthchurch.com and go to the media, and you can get download these. Yeah, yeah, except when you didn't use the mic, David, but outside of that one. (laughs) I'm just saying. (laughs) You opened that door. I can't believe you even asked that question. Um, again, let me say this, and John didn't say this, but John does a coaching network. I know Nelson's been through it. I've been through it. I don't know who else in here. John's been through it, Ragsdale. Uh, it is worth your time. You've been through it? Okay. Uh, it is worth your time, your money, your effort to get there. I think it starts again in September. I text Dan, and he never did answer me back. But anyway, no, I'm kidding. I'm messing with you. Uh, <laughs> Uh, go, is it on the web, is it on the website? Yeah, heavy, sorry. It's, yeah, I just got it. So, um, it, it really is one of the better things you'll go to. Easy, easy. One of the better things you will go to, and it's worth your time to, to hook up with that. Is it on the website? Okay, go on lifechurch.com, Memphis, and um, it really is good. Let's pray. Father, we're grateful for a couple of days together just to